If you are just tuning in, welcome. This is Manga Masala, the South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm joined here by Simran on stream. How are you doing? One second, Simran. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Sorry, I'm Hello. a bit I'm a bit flustered today. The sun's shining, it's really hot, and I'm stuck here inside this studio. Ooh. But you know what? I'm not complaining. Unlike, you know what? So for those who don't know, we have a co-host, Halima, who this morning sent a voice note that involved her coughing quite a lot <laughs> and i have my own theory that she looked outside saw the sun and was like you know what not today i'm going to go and enjoy myself that's just my theory though i don't know oh you think she's skiving i think it's a possibility she's probably in a bad mood as well because she's meant to be in brussels right right now but um she lost her passport so she couldn't go anywhere oh my god i didn't know that yeah, I think it was the episode that you went in a few weeks back when she went to um, Copenhagen. She lost lost her passport, and oh. so then she had to cancel this Brussels trip. So she's probably in mourning of that. Oh no! But oh. <laughs> that sounded like such a sarcastic. I, oh no! <laughs> no, that that does suck. That sucks. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm not very good at empathy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah sorry that sucks but yeah how are you enjoying the sunshine stuck inside simran speaking to me i was just complaining about it to my uh flatmates that the worst thing that you could do when the sun's out is uni work it's just the worst vibe ever oh so you would be stuck inside even if you weren't talking to me right now well yeah because first of all i'm happy here to be here talking to you carlos don't put yourself down like that you know i just i just, want the, I just, I just want the attention that's what i'm just saying like, <laughs> <laughs> that's one the validation oh you got it okay <laughs> um yeah i woke up the weather was nice and i was like i'm just not sitting in my room and doing work all day so and i was also like i'm definitely not going to the library and doing work all day because that's even more depressing and it's quite um, stuffy in the library i always found there's two one's really nice but obviously still library vibes boring and the other one is the most depressing place on earth yeah like i, can I relate. don't like it at all um and it's the one that's like it's like 10 minutes from my house so I, I should be there all the time in theory but it's so depressing i never go yeah sure. um so i did the hot girl thing and i went to starbucks you went to starbucks then came back home yeah what did I, you i was in starbucks for like three hours um, and I was doing my, I started my dissertation, which is not fun. Ugh. Ew. Um, but I've got, so yeah. I've got a question. What's your Starbucks order or your coffee order in general? Oh, just a vanilla latte. Fair Very enough. boring. No, I prefer that than you to come back and say, oh, I have um, this spice, blah, 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 with a sprinkle of this, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Nah, I'm, like, not, I'm, not, like a, I'm not even a coffee snob. Like, I know a lot of people that like are coffee snobs probably won't even like, go to Starbucks in it because they just probably think it's beneath them. Mm. I'm not really a coffee snob. But at the moment, I don't know if it's because Masters or because what, but I just run on caffeine. I'm back. I never really was massive on like caffeine. Like would have it if I needed to. Now I drink, I'd say minimum two cups of coffee a day. It is. Minimum. I, I, I go into the habit as well. Like not necessarily, only when I need to, but there is, um, so on the job that I'm on at the moment, it kind of switches up like different shifts. And there was one shift where I was having to drive long distance at an early time for like an entire month. And I just got into like putting a bit of coffee into my drink in the morning and just just I don't even know if it even helped but it made me feel like I was going to do it better you know what Placebo. I mean yeah 
But on the subject of coffee, I'm doing my segue thing here. This brings me on to what I wanted to talk about in this first um, segment was things that don't work well or shouldn't work well together oh, that do. So I need to know your reasoning behind <laughs> it because you made it like seem like there was something really specific going on. Honestly, it's so dead. Like I literally just saw this story and I was like, oh, that would be a good thing to talk about. The story itself wasn't dead. It's just this topic. Like I feel like I've bigged it up and now it's just like, yeah. Anyway, um, so my so my favorite um coffee or to drink, thanks for asking, Simran, is um You didn't give me time. <laughs> you know what, we're on tight schedule today. I'm moving, moving, moving. <laughs> right. It's a chai latte, right? Because I feel like it's quite, oh, banging. Yeah, it's nice, it's got a little bit of spice to it, it's sweet, it you can add coffee to it if you want, like I think wins all around. Um, I saw on Sarika, who's a member of the Canadian girl band Infuse that we have on Instagram, I saw on her Instagram she was having a mango chai latte. And I, I I was like, hmm, but her caption was this was this this like this doesn't it this look sounds so weird, but it's actually like really nice. Yeah. So I was like, I need to try that, but obviously I'm probably never gonna get a chance to try that because I'm not in Toronto. So and I don't know like where else we do a mango chai latte. But that got me thinking because obviously mango is like my favourite fruit ever and chai latte is my favourite coffee order. And together, apparently, according to Sarika, that's a really good combination. So it got me thinking like what are the other things or like weird combinations? It doesn't have to just be food, but I think there are quite a lot of food ones that they shouldn't work but they actually do work really well together do you have any simran oh okay now i understand why you, why you suggested it oh man i feel like on the spot now i can't think i, mean, I literally gave you a two hour notice to like no, because you, you gave the whole backstory to it and i didn't know what was going on and i was like um Oh, it's because I, it's because I don't like giving you the backstory off air because then it's like literally come into um, the studio already knowing everything and there's nothing to actually talk about. You know what I mean? Okay, go on. You start. Let me think. Right. So weird combinations. When I was growing up, I don't do it anymore, mainly because I'm a bit like more conscious about health and that. But I remember when I was like a young teenager, I used to have them um, ketchup sandwiches. And that's like a bit of a weird combination just bread and ketchup but it actually banged like just bread and ketchup it was actually so good like oh i used to put lemon juice on toast that's interesting i'm not surprised though because that kind of works like you know like it's like pancakes doesn't it you have like lemon and sugar on there yeah it was just lemon <laughs> yeah okay so we want it was sour toast um yeah well i was a kind of weird because like i used to just like drink vinegar and stuff like that where, where's the <laughs> end zoom call button on this thing? Yeah, you, sorry. Why, why, why you used to drink vinegar? Yeah, don't ever ask about it. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> you just outed yourself on it. No, no one asked you to say that. Yeah, I know. That's I not was, even I a combination. Obsessed. I'm just out here just spilling my business. Yeah, fine. No, as in like, I, I was obsessed with like sour things. I think whenever I could put like vinegar or like lemon on anything, it would go on it. Oh dear me! See, my dad's just texted me saying apparently he used to have ketchup sandwiches as well. So clearly, I feel like ketchup sandwiches aren't that bad. Like ketchup with toast, I get. 
Nah, it's actually bad with just plain bread. Like, oh, I don't eat beans without um, uh, brown sauce and onions chopped up in it. Yeah, I feel like that's quite a common thing. A lot of people like alter their baked beans just to make yeah. it a bit more. Yeah. We're not weird enough while you are with your vinegar drinking, but like oh, I can't like why well, can't I think of any? Because like you know what I mean? Like people do like weird like they'll put like it's it's like those weird pregnancy craving TikToks where they're like oh I have like oh. ice with peanut butter and this and that like but clearly there's nothing that weird is there? What about Beyond Food? Is there any things that go together that shouldn't but they do? Anything at all? can't think of anything my mind's gone so blank what about musical artists that's some that's in your lane oh, what about two okay. musical artists that shouldn't have they they've done a track together and you wouldn't expect it to work but it does oh my god um ed sheeran and bring me the horizon just made a song oh yeah didn't they even, um, yeah sorry go on. no i say was it it was like a remake of his own song wasn't it or is a new one yeah it was like yeah. a remix of an ed sheeran song mm. with them it slaps yeah because they performed it first off at um the brits didn't they and then they like oh did they yeah i think that's I where know. they released because it was like literally they just right ed sheeran was performing and suddenly bring me the horizon were there as well and it was just like okay that's funny i am in my goth phase again i've gone goth this happened oh meaning i was really goth when i was like 13 does this mean that you're back to um, what's it called listening to arctic monkeys all the time or oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. We can segue this. I feel like that's something that doesn't normally go together. And I've spoken about this before and I said I'll speak about it properly. That when you come from certain places, there's an expectation that you do and don't do certain things. Mm. And stuff like listening to music, I think, is a very pertinent one because there's an expectation i think if you're from urban areas or like cities and stuff like that that you listen to like urban music rap and r&b drill like that's kind of the norm for our generation i'd say and then i feel like if you're very open about the fact that you maybe are a bit alternative alternative mm. and like listen to different music or dress differently or you know enjoy like not urban things then either you're quite like kind of a bit like outcasted like you're kind of like labeled as different yeah. or people kind of see you as like weird or like coconut type thing or yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. or massive coconut vibes yeah. um and as someone who enjoys both I find myself suppressing the other side of it a lot and in, in that I love indie music and rock music and stuff like that because I already get called coconut on a weekly basis at this point because of just life. Um, so, you know, I just feel like that's two things that everyone thinks shouldn't go together, but they do go together more often than not. And it should be something that's more like normalized. Yeah. It doesn't have to be black and white. You can be a bit of both. Isn't it? Yeah. Or, or but if you like, if you, if you're from London or Manchester or Birmingham and you like Arctic monkeys and that's it, fine. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Like, like don't get put do in a box want. because of like what people think of you or like the crowd that you're around just because they want to listen to like drill music and rap doesn't mean that you have to as well yeah. if you don't enjoy that and it doesn't have to take anything away from the drill and rap music as well like just not yeah. your thing exactly and that comes down to a lot of things like food art fashion music like everything 
On a separate note, you picked a bad time to go back to being goth with all this nice weather. Mind you, you yeah. dress quite a lot in, lot in black anyway. I realised that today, and I now need to go shopping because my wardrobe is black. Look at me, I'm just like an emo. I, I walked out of my um, flat to go to Starbucks, and there was this, there was this girl in like shorts and in like a t-shirt, and I was like, "Damn, it's actually that weather," and I'm wearing cargo pants and a t-shirt, like some emo. Have you? Uh, I, I wish you told me that you were going to mention this. I would have like loaded up that um, emo girl song. Oh my god, the MGK one. Yeah, isn't it Will, Willow Smith or something? Is it? I think it, it I, might be. I, I've, I've kind of rejected it. <laughs> I don't really. Every time I've listened to it, it's been on TikTok, and I just like embrace it. It's, it's about you. Thank you. <laughs> also, your hair's long. Longish. It's not that long. Like I'm just. I am. I'm letting it grow out a bit more. I think. I was, you committed to it for the wedding yeah and i think in general like i think i was just sitting like i think at the start of the year and i was just a bit like i miss like i feel like i i want to be m me and i feel like carlos is long hair like i feel like mm. that was my thing so i feel like i, I want it back so i'm gonna when did you cut it first uh so i grew it for like three years since 2017 and then i cut it in april 2020 during lockdown because oh. at that point i was very fed up with it and i was just like if it looks bad well, at least i don't have to see anyone but it actually yeah. looked, it looked quite good i think with me yeah, yeah. i think i actually i suit like a buzz cut skinhead but then i also suit long hair what i don't suit in my opinion is like the bit in between which is annoying because like i'm sort of in that stage at the moment but i think i just need to keep i'm just keeping going yeah stick through. with it yeah yeah it is wait is it is it for the wedding you want it long or is it just like general life bit of both like i think i do want it for the wedding which is for the listeners information i'm planning on getting married next year yes. some point like spring summertime um so that's like a whole year um from now but um i think in general as well like i do miss it and i think if i if i am growing out again i just need to like take better care of it because i think before i was kind of just letting it grow out and not like really doing that much to it so it's time yeah. for it to make a comeback i think and also like now at least you know if you get sick of it again you yeah. can shave it and it'll look good you know what it's gonna look like yeah for sure or even try like different styles without going to the extreme because i didn't do that either like yeah but yeah enough about me it's time to play some music um this yeah i literally will find a way to segue anything one day one day <laughs> i'm gonna do we're gonna do an episode dedicated to carlos two hours and me and him are barely gonna say anything we're gonna ask you questions and you're just gonna talk for two hours we're not gonna play music yeah, we're just gonna like give me like you know like the Wikipedia game where you have to work out to get yes, from one place yes. to another. It's gonna be that, but like the Segway game, so you have to figure out how to segue from one thing to the yes. next thing. To the... It's gonna be the Carlos special. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the ideas board. PJ Hut on Pi Radio, Manchester's number one youth ed radio station. If you're just tuning in, welcome. This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show. My name is Gerns. I'm joined here by Simran. Hi guys. Uh, can I just say, why is that such a banger? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the proper like, banging so bass with, line. With the songs that we got sent this week, 
Mm. I was very happy with them because the good ones were un- like exceptionally good. Yeah. Now, to be fair, like, I mean, we weren't saying that that was Coke Studio, but all in all, like, Coke Studio has been kicking off this season. I think it's season 14. They've been doing some really cool stuff. So definitely go and check it out. Yeah, that was, yeah. I really like that. I wasn't expecting to, because normally the the stuff they do at Coke Studio is a bit too folky for me. But, like, that was a a proper, like, banger. Especially they've got a really cool, like, it starts off um, with people singing and then the girls walk through and, like, yeah, you should watch the video. It's really good definitely go check that out it's just vibes when the weather's nice it's just i just love listening to like really good music and like just being happy yeah now unfortunately we obviously don't have time for um all happy stuff all the time (sighs) i have to segue it somehow you know like yeah but yeah unfortunately um probably you guys will have seen in the news recently um there's been a lot of discussion surrounding child q um now for anyone that doesn't know what's been going on with this i'm just gonna give a bit a little bit of context here so um child q was a um 15 year old girl i believe she's probably now 16 17 because it's been around two years um but yeah the incident regarding child q happened on the 3rd of december 2020 it only came to light this month however um in a safeguarding report by city and hackney safeguarding children partnership so this 15 year old girl was pulled out of an exam um at school into a medical room um in hackney and stripped searched by metropolitan police members and this was after her teachers wrongly suspected her of carrying cannabis um so the teachers claimed that they smelt cannabis on this girl um who while she was taking her, her exam um they apparently normally have some kind of officer um at the school um but they weren't there because of covid so then the teachers made the decision to then call the police in um the police then carried out the search um which involved um again i should probably give a trigger warning some of this stuff is quite um quite sensitive so obviously um it's quite sensitive topic so if you're not um if you're not wanting to listen to this that's i completely understand but just letting you guys know ahead of that um so this strip search occurred which involved obviously her removing her clothing and to make matters worse um this child q was actually menstruating at the time and um the police were aware of this the teachers were aware of this and they still went ahead and did it anyway she was instructed to remove her sanitary pad and do the usual like squat and cough um method as well obviously as i've said she didn't actually have anything on her regardless um it's just a very very traumatic um, ordeal um she then was told to go back and complete her exam and bearing in mind as well this was all carried out without um an an adult present none of the teachers were there either it was just two female police officers and also they did not contact her mother beforehand which is the legal requirement before actually carrying out a strip search of this kind on a minor um furthermore um i actually looked into the police um 
case code and if you look at that i think it's code c annex a if you actually look at that and this is on the government website you can go and look at this you're only allowed to um to, uh, to carry out strip searches if someone is in possession of something that could very much cause harm to another person or if it's a class a drug and cannabis is a class b drug so even like even if like at every stage of this it just it shouldn't have happened okay. at all um so obviously this um this happened and then a report a safe safeguarding reports took place following it um and they found that um this was unjustified that this took place especially without him contacting her mother beforehand and that racism was likely to have played a factor in how this um played out and it's it's really sad but child q's mother has shared um how a daughter um she's gone from a happy-go-lucky girl to someone who's timid and recluse and hardly speaks um child q herself actually has said in the review on top of preparing for the most important exams of my life i can't go a single day without wanting to scream shout cry or just give up um and um i'm just gonna get your just general opinion in a second simran just on this whole ordeal but i've just got a few more statistics before we go into that so according to the most recent count um there are 683 officers in british schools um there are a whole range of relationships and programs that they partake in however um a lot of the time these are these these officers are put into schools which have a disproportionately high level of um pupils of color or from lower class backgrounds um and it is in a way that reports have found that they do actually end up discriminating towards minoritized students. I think what's even more disturbing as well is that the CHSCP has found that 25 children under the age of 18 were subjected to a strip search, essentially, um, between 2020 and 21. Of those 25 children, 19 were male and handcuffed during the process now even if we're gonna delve more into that nothing was actually found during 22 of those searches so 88 percent of those searches actually led to no um nothing of note actually being found on these um, young children and 20 had 20 so 80 percent had no further action recorded and if you look at the ethnicity of the children who um, have had these searches performed on them, um, 15, so 60% of these children were black, only two were white, six were Asian, and two were Arab or North African. So clearly there's, even outside of this really horrific incident regarding child Q, there's a problem here because it's a disproportionate number of children of color are being strip searched and furthermore only 12 percent of those are actually leading to finding anything actually on them and i think when i just find the whole concept of strip searching like in my personal opinion demeaning and really uh, traumatizing yeah. but to think that you're doing that with only 12 percent success rate like it just 
there's no need for it at all, in my opinion. But yeah, what do you think, Simran? I think obviously the situation surrounding child Q is horrific to hear about. I know it, I didn't actually know it happened um, a few years ago, but it's just something disgusting to like hear that that's actually happened. And you look at the statistics where like the breakdown of it by race and stuff, it just makes it just opens your eyes up even more to the problem that we have in this country surrounding systemic racism and you know like the structures of it that are so deeply embedded in our in our society in this country and you think it doesn't exist because of the way um like media plays out and the way that big companies try and like make a stand for it but in reality these things are still happening to this day and young black people are still getting subjected to routine stop and searches so disproportionately at a higher rate than other races um halima put it really well i've literally got it here like the adultification of black girls that you're expecting them to adhere to a maturity standard so much higher than their um white or other uh, race counterparts that in situations like this you're subjecting them to a lifetime of trauma mm -hmm. you know in, and and like you said without even finding anything whether something was found or not a strip search is demeaning and demoralizing which i'm pretty sure is a big reason why they even exist in the first place like that's why they use them in like the um american prison system when you find when you go in for the first time it's more about it's more of a psychological thing than them actually trying to find mm. um you know anything on you so you're subjecting these like young girls and boys to trauma and you know like you said like um sorry the quote said that she's no longer the person she used to be essentially and for what for the smell of weed that you know is like you said a class b drug and is not something like a knife or a weapon or anything like that and it was just off the smell of it mm. it's just ridiculous yeah and going off what we've seen about um obviously who you mentioned the um adultification of um black girls particularly this is something this is not anything that's new um so there have been multiple reports that have looked into this and a recent one which i think was um taken over the past couple of years um revealed that adults i think it was maybe taken in america but adults perceive black girls as less innocent than white girls and it's how how young do you reckon like they they start seeing these people as like less innocent it's got to be like when you just hit a teenager when you're no longer an actual child that i just think that black girls are held to a different standard of like behavior and maturity and they're expected to adhere to a certain way of behaving and even if they are just like a normal 15 year old girl for example in this case you know that they're seen as older than someone of the same age who might be white. Well, this report found that um, the uh, most significant differences, I'm um, sorry, the, um, the adults perceived black girls as less innocent than white girls as young as five years old. So that, that, that that's the extreme. They did find that obviously the 10 to 14 age group, like mm -hmm. we're saying at that pubescent level is where that change seems to be happening for the most part but they did like the find that, that that exists at five years yeah. old like the fact that there is a difference period at any age group is like shocking because they're just children they're just children your child is a child regardless of race or anything like that and especially at five years old like all 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 a five-year-old is is innocent do you know what i mean yeah. there's no degree of innocence like 
they don't know That's enough. Their brain yeah. isn't developed. Like exactly. Uh, this going back to child Q though. Um, I think it's just it's just really sad. Like I just obviously my heart like, actually breaks because it's disgusting. Because you look at you know things in the media in terms of like girls and self-esteem and body image and confidence and social media and stuff just to even like try and put yourself in her shoes you've been taken out of an exam gccs are so stressful and then to go through something as traumatic as that and i can't even imagine how scared and confused she must have been her mum was notified you know multiple laws were broken at multiple times in the whole proceeding of this thing mm. that's, and, that's and not one fact. point yeah yeah and not at any point did someone not even on a legal basis i mean on like a moral basis think hang on a minute should we not be doing this yeah i mean this is why a lot of people on social media have actually been finding fault not only with the way that the police acted but also the teachers involved like at what point would the teacher it's my understanding by the way i think i saw something that the teacher actually called the police has since lost their job um yeah, but good. why what what would you be your thinking you think you're you're in a position of care as a teacher exactly. right you see that even if this girl apparently smelt of cannabis which again we're never gonna know because we weren't there um even if they did why would you think okay the correct thing to do here is to call the police and that's the thing as well the reason why they ended up calling the police is because they contacted that on duty you know on school officer mm. who should have been there but wasn't there because of covid then they said oh you should call 101 and ask for a female police officer what why do you need to go to that level like can you not like deal with it effectively yourself like that and also, mm -hmm. why do we need to go straight to getting um, yeah. the police involved? Isn't that not what, what social workers and that sort of thing are for, to help that yeah. the happy medium of holding people accountable, yet also actually, like, helping them? Because at the end of the day, they're children. They, they, like, she's not even 16 and this has happened to her. Like, It's like, you know, teachers in schools, they have a level of care over the children. As a parent, you drop your kid off to school knowing that, well, believing that they're going to be in good hands and looked after people that are trained to do their job and that people are going to, you know, the police is like a first thought is, I think it speaks more on that the perceptions of black people in this country are, you know, that that's like the first call of incident, that that's what the first thing you need to do is go to the police instead of like deal with it internally or like you said, go through like social workers or anything like that. It's, it definitely, again, speaks on a race difference, I think, because maybe perhaps if that child was white, they would have dealt with it internally first. And it's the fact that they did this all whilst having the knowledge that she was menstruating at the time. Like, they, they knew that. It so much worse. Like, I don't, I eat, like yeah. you're saying, at each level, why was it not, someone, whether it was the police officers, whether it was the teacher, why was someone, a uh, uh, a responsible adult which presumably you need to be if you're a teacher or a police person why would you not step in and be like oh no this is wrong i don't think this i think even even if like for example the um the teacher say like even if you 
was someone who thought, okay, I don't want to, this this is the law, the, the police can carry out the law, blah, 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 I don't want to break that. You would still maybe be like, I think we should wait. We should we should contact their parents first and wait. So that mm-hmm. that surely that should be your first instinct. And yeah, didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just plays. It makes it worse in the sense that they just had absolutely no. I can't even say respect. They had no regard. They didn't even think about her privacy or her safety or like even like you know it was just humiliating from from start to end. The fact that her mother wasn't called, which is against the law, first of all, mm-hmm. and these are supposed to be officers of the law that are supposed to uphold that, and then the people that are supposed to look after her at school, you know, the teachers, yeah, are facilitating just, this whole thing. Just send her back into the exam, like. <laughs> No, not even any debrief afterwards. Like, okay, so we have just caused you to be strip searched yeah. whilst you're menstruating, even though there was absolutely no need for that to happen. Because like, some one person had a hunch that you smelt of weed. Yeah, and there was no, there's no, we're sorry or take the rest of the day off. Are you okay? Blah blah blah. Just okay, back into your exam. Yeah. Yeah, it is disgusting, and I. I hope that I, I, I know that I've seen that Child Q has said that they can see how many people are supporting her across the world and they appreciate that. So I hope that they manage to gain some peace in following all of this. And I also mm-hmm. hope that people respect Child Q's and her family's wishes to keep her identity and school's identity anonymous because um, that is what she wants. So, yeah. And now I need to find a way to segue into a happy-ish finish. Um, what, you got an idea, Simran? No, your segue came. <laughs> right. Um, so Simran texted me during the music break saying the sun's shining. Um, <laughs> we should go out and just party. And I said... I went on social media <laughs> and everyone's story was just like, raves, out and about, day drinking, um, Contact Square in Liverpool packed yeah but we actually have a special guest coming up um zainab who should be waiting outside for us just after the music break um she's gonna be speaking to us about her poetry and her focus on the diaspora and partition so got plenty coming up for you which you know what i'm happy to stay here for another hour and then go out and enjoy the sunshine meanwhile simran you're free to do whatever you want to do my dissertation. So yeah, to be fair, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't envy you at all, though. Yeah. Well, you say the word. I'll be in Manchester. I can come in about two hours from now. So you just say the word, Carlos. Yeah. Well, I would, and I would told you, I'm, I'm going out after this, but you need to, you need to work. So I know, you go I work. Know, I know, I know. Okay. Fine if you're just tuning in welcome this is mango masala the south asian show my name's Gerns, and i'm joined by our special guest today zainab how are you doing i'm really good thank you how are you i'm doing really good as well and you know what it's so assuring uh, to hear that your voice is coming <laughs> through the audio like honestly oh, anything i can do <laughs> no no thank you like, i was just saying before this honestly sometimes we get people who are literally like all the way back yeah here. <laughs> but no thank you um yeah so for the listeners um who are you? Um, well, I'm Zainab, as you'd said. I'm uh, just a 19-year-old uh, student from Manchester, but I also do loads of spoken word poetry. I write loads and loads all the time. And yeah, that's just my main my main passion, my main hobby. And it's a way for me to just express who I am and express what I feel. Yeah. Cool. So 
obviously I've seen your Instagram, seen some of your work. I'd say a lot of it is pertaining to you and your heritage. Is Absolutely, that correct? Absolutely, yeah, for sure. I feel like um, I've only come into it more now. It, it sounds weird, but it kind of, it wasn't an eat, pray, love situation. Like I went abroad and I was like, oh my goodness, I've just had a transformation. <laughs> uh, it wasn't like just going back to the homeland and being like, oh my goodness, we've got to write. I was always kind of ingrained in Desi culture and I grew up like speaking Urdu as like my first language and then learning English. Um, but maybe because I was so accustomed with my culture, I didn't realize how much I could utilize it. Not in like a very sort of utilitarian or capitalist way, of course, but like um, I kind of wanted to fo- follow the mode of, you know, like Robert Frost and Caroline Duffy, all these other poets. And then suddenly I was like, I kept hearing from poets write what you know and I was like oh okay I'll write about daffodils or something I like what I see and everything but then I was like if I'm writing about what I know I think I should write about what I've kind of learnt from birth almost it feels so a lot of it my stuff is now to do with um, being Pakistani and the sort of like the positives and negatives up uphill downhill sort of whatever goes on in my life almost yeah and it must be quite daunting to start doing that when i mean there are people obviously people out there who are doing this who are from um south asian backgrounds and Mm -hmm. are making poetry um and are about that but they're quite hard to find and they're they're, um, few and thin so um it must be quite daunting to enter into that space when like you say everyone around you Mm -hmm. especially in um the uk manchester is doing stuff relating to their like say what they know which isn't necessarily what i would yeah so it's um i kind of felt more the outsider like as i i always hear about people feeling the outsider when they're growing up that they weren't um like other kids because they were like uh, they were black or they were you know um asian or whatever and they kind of always want to be like non-poc almost um and i kind of got that gr- like as i came into uni almost that i felt more the outsider in my own hometown going to uni in manchester with other people coming in and being very questioning of my culture when i express myself through my poetry so you're right in like there is a certain expectation of what poetry is meant to be and then when people put their identity into it and it's not something people assume to be aligned to the norm. It it throws up an idea of like, oh, I well, I want to probe this. I want to question this. And at the same time, are we comfortable with letting people probe it? Or do we just want to state our fact and state our truth and let people sit with it almost as mm. well? Because it's, it's a lot, it's painful to have to ex- explain what we go through on a daily basis sometimes and our like history our tragedies that have made us you know whether we're pakistani indian uh, sri lankan bangladeshi whatever we are we come from a lot of pain i feel like as um an ethnic minority uh, ethnic minority groups so it's kind of that dichotomy of like do i explain (laughs) what do i or do i just like let them sit with it and let them take it in and see how they react almost Mm. as well yeah it's Mm. sort of similar to um when ever there's a surge in um racial awareness for example i think the most recent one was probably the blm in mid 2020 and then you've got all these people who 
I think I think a lot of them probably have good intentions, Absolutely. but they sort of look to um, black people or people of color to teach them about yeah. racism. When obviously I get I get that they want to obviously educate themselves and know about it, Absolutely. but that doesn't have to come from the horse's mouth. No, like, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people try and say that the whole um, us saying that Google is free or like you need to do your own research is hurtful in a way when in reality we have always been the subject we have always been the sort of like subjugated individual that has been put in the spotlight because audrey lord had said um audrey lord's a fantastic poet and um black writer and she had said about how the black woman is like both visible and invisible in the sense that she is one of the most oppressed like figures in american history and yet she will not be acknowledged for who she is of course she'll never be given a voice so that's kind of like it yeah it's really really difficult to have to tell them that as much as we admire how much you want to help us we don't need white saviors we mm. don't need a like a white knight coming through and then it just falls into the idea that they have a lot of fragility around how we feel about them because they are what we see as the norm and the norm is always superior of course so um it's a really troubling sort of idea and the, the fact is like if we don't address it and teach it to our youth i feel like as well it could just tumble into something even worse or it could go better we never know so that's what i try and do <laughs> with my art especially yeah sure mm. Would you say that you have any inspiration from the West or is it the diaspora in the West? Yeah, it's kind of both. So I told you that I, uh, well, I study English literature and I do classic literature on the side with my major, like my mo like main degree and Greek mythology is a huge part of kids upbringing a lot of time because like, a lot of Greek writing is very much the basis of loads of stories in all sort of um, all sorts of sort of uh, cultures um, throughout the world, and it, I feel like Homer, Sappho, they all they're all like poets who kind of deal with both human emotion, but how human emotion sort of retains to divine beings, to monsters, and everything. And there's always the idea of like the outsider who is kind of not respected. So either they're completely outcasted or they kind of learn from. So you can think of like Hercules, who was never sort of accepted. And I kind of see like how he then had to go through so many trials to then be accepted um, within Greece and then become like in the position that he is like solidified in mythology. Um, so I'd say a lot of Greek myth, especially how women are portrayed in Greek myth, because that is, is is a tale as old as time that women never get <laughs> the best experience, of course. And anyone who has done or sort of read Percy Jackson or read sort of Greek mythology knows Greek women are never given a break ever. So I'd say a lot of mythos and um, for diaspora sort of in the West, I'd say... Um, a good friend of mine who actually came on the show two weeks ago, Amna, uh, she introduced me more to Riz Ahmed, who is, I think, every South Asian kids, if you've not delved into him, I say, like, where have you been? Secondly, go ahead and dive into him because he's brilliant at what he does. And he is by far the f one of the first artists that I've seen kind of come out of that sort of quiet conversation we have with each other that, like, 
yeah we're experiencing racism yeah we've suffered with the tragedy and the consequences of colonialism and then there's always like a quiet at the end of the conversation and we sigh and we have to accept that that's what's happened and like that's apparently going to continue but the fact that Riz kind of steps up so much and shows us like these sort of microaggressions and questions they're so deeply rooted in just like a lot of like internal prejudice within like households within britain within the institutions as well so he's brilliant i love i love his work um i'd say people like rupee core as well i feel like everyone kind of has a really interesting rupee core phase i think she's genius in the sense that she's obviously seen a market for poetry that was coming about with social media and people like to argue that oh it's not real poetry though it's just like little little snippets and everything but like poetry is so subjected to like what you think whatever you want it to be spoken word lyric poetry um songs are sometimes considered uh considered poetry as well so and i think she was the first poet i read where i related with a lot of the south asian sort of features within there as well so talking about um like food culture dancing and like the attire we wear and everything was she was like the first sort of woman to put that on paper for me um yeah and i'd say worse and shire i got to meet her recently as well and if you don't know she's worked with beyonce so like what else do i need to say about and she's written loads about um women of ethnic minority and their sort of tragedy and trauma so i'd say cool them yeah yeah no and that's really nice to also give any of the listeners who might not know where to start if they're interested absolutely. in absolutely that sort of thing mm-hmm. cool so we're going to um come to you in a second for yes. a reading of one of your own poems yes um but before that um it's my understanding that one key area of your in of interest to you is partition so mm-hmm. i just wanted to know like what um why is that and yeah. how, how do you kind of make art out of that yeah partition obviously for south asian um even children even children of south asian parents or just uh, people who come from pakistan india bangladesh sri lanka or people who were born here they have undoubtedly heard about the tragedy that was partition and um i think what sort of interested me the most was it's so silenced within british history almost it feels like when i went to high school i learned i was very privileged enough to learn about slavery the transatlantic slave trade civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s in america um the genocide and complete erasure of um indigenous americans and suffragette movement i learned so much but then when i came into college i was so shocked to realize i had not once learned about partition in my education and i was a big history freak i loved history so much and i was so appalled at myself that i kind of felt like i betrayed some part of me and it's this idea that i didn't i I think i was maybe like 14 or 15 when i realized pakistan didn't exist until 1947 which is so bizarre and i wonder if i were to ask a kid who is proudly pakistani goes and watches cricket wears the shirts and everything and say to him like you do know like pakistan is only like 75 years old as like what would their reaction be so i feel like maybe it's just the miseducation that kind of stroke like pushed me forward but at the same time it's the sort of the billions of people that were misplaced and the lives that were lost of course as well and 
the idea of how easy it was for the British to sort of let it happen almost so they kind of just I always say that is literally just like done after on after during afternoon tea because they're literally just a lawyer that they got from from mm. here and they were literally like draw a line for and they just yeah. went and draw drew a line and I was like okay well I've heard of worse ways I guess <laughs> to sort of indict political sort of decisions but like that was very shocking and it was it's that thing of like is, well, go back to Riz Ahmed in um, his poem, his spoken word, Where Are You From? He says, "We, um, you only built a piece of this place, the rest of was us. It's this idea that we funded so much of the British Empire. We, A lot of the buildings we see now that were maybe made in like the 17th and 18th century, we have to think, where does that money come from? It comes from like the slave trade. It comes from trading with um, India for spices and um, clothing and everything. And so I feel like partition is a scar, of course, of all that we kind of, or all our ancestors have put effort into only to like become a broken country where there was conflict before, but now it's just raw and just like, there's so much sort of self-loathing, loathing for your neighbor and hatred to the West, hatred for yourself. And it sort of feels like it's still alive almost and that pain kind of continues to this day and this year we're going to um celebrate 75 years of partition mm. can we say celebrate i don't know at the same time because it's so harrowing to read about and when people experience like when they get to read about it as well so yeah i'd say it's it's awful that we have to as people of color bring a lot of our work through from like tragedy and from horrific events but that kind of is what makes us so it makes us stand out quite a lot in the whole market if you want to if you want to say that it is more marketable strategy which unfortunately it is but it's something that is shouldn't be ignored and should have been sort of promoted more throughout my life throughout people's life in general to see that like this is the tragedy that we're coming from and just because you feel that we're coming into your communities even though we're sharing our culture and we're like inviting you into our homes inviting you to dinner you don't understand how much we were completely eradicated like tried they tried to eradicate us almost so you don't understand like the amount of pain that we come from like through our blood and like through the bodies that were like displaced in war famine and yeah just being split apart mm-hmm. for sure yeah definitely yeah. i mean it's really hard like like i'm sure you just it witnessed in the past 15 seconds that as you try and <laughs> condense that all into one but yeah no definitely and i think it's really good that you're making something positive as well out of something that is can be seen as overwhelmingly Thank negative you. in terms of the all the lives that were lost displaced etc mm. right so we're gonna get into hearing a piece of yours now yeah um, let me just go and check that the camera's actually on <laughs> <laughs> no problem that's chill yeah cool so i'll be reading um a poem called uncivilized so that might evoke some uh sort of you know memories of what's been happening over the past few days but yeah uncivilized i am in all my imperfections a third world country my nose bleeds and dries into crusts around a nose pin like monsoon soaked dirt plastered on brown water pots 
handprints on its curves like you caressed a woman's hips. I shine in the field like a gara full of blessings. My shalwar kameez is all the bashful colours of a saint's shrine. There is no imperial marble carving hollow eyes and outreaching fingers. We dance and flutter our feet to Ranja's flute and disperse into petals on their tomb. I cup my hands and beg that my verses are worth anything. Wash and boil off the dirt of a vile island in the fresh dye of Dubattagali so I can be proud of my skin again. I am mixed into waters of heritages, murky with invasion and aching. Sheikh and Janjua, Punjabi, Lahori, Anarkali, Beti. I will emerge like Venus from the Chenab. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I feel privileged that I got my own. Well, I know obviously we're broadcasting people, but I got my own live performance. Oh, thank you! Oh my day. No, I really enjoyed that. So knowing that, I feel like when listening to stuff like that, it's like I want to take it and analyze each like line. So like for anyone who's listening and wants to maybe read some of your work, is there anywhere online to go and get it? Yeah. So I am mostly active on Instagram. I'm trying to bring up my Twitter, um, but it's it's a slow it's a slow progress. Um, but I'm uh, available on a very interesting username, uh, dark dot academia dot Zainab. It's kind of to do with the aesthetic of dark academia that I've tried to make more Pakistani essentially because it's very much the Eurocentric um, academic uh, aesthetic. Um, but all my uh, a lot of my live performances are on there and some published work, unpublished stuff, and most of it now is pretty much about me being this season. It's not something I'm quite about. Um, so, but yeah, if they if listeners want to go ahead and have a look yeah for sure sweet yeah. cool yeah thanks again for um taking that to come speak to us read that out thank you um, gonna give a bit of music a play now and then when we come back just have a quick chat about what's been going on in india at the moment if you're just tuning in welcome this is mango masala the south asian show on pi radio got just under 10 minutes left i'm still in the building with zainab hi and yeah just got like i said just under 10 minutes to yeah. sort of delve into this topic and it's funny because we were literally saying like there's not too much we can say in it yeah. because just in our opinion it is definitely wrong what is yeah. going on here um for those who don't know in a um, southern state in india um there is an indian court ruling on tuesday um which basically upheld um a ruling by the local government that um schools and colleges can ban um people from wearing the headscarf associated with islam um, because according to them it is has something to do with culture but certainly not with religion so the argument here is basically headscarves aren't essential um because to islam so um we are allowed to ban them and that that ruling has been upheld um, and the reason why this came about is because there were a number of schoolgirls in this um in this district that actually had been told by the school like you need to stop wearing a headscarf and mm. um, they took it to court and obviously it's gone all the way up here but after 11 days um uh this this three um judge ruling has said no actually it's and apparently they observed they looked at the quran yeah. and they said like oh well in the quran according yeah. to this 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 it means blah 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 now obviously from my personal perspective i'm not muslim mm. but i 
um, I'm feminist and obviously <laughs> believe that like women or people who wear um, headscarves should just be able to do whatever they right. want. Like it yeah. doesn't. It's <laughs> certainly not hurting anyone. Um, mm. However, um, I'd say no. I did want to just get your opinion on it as mm. someone who does um, wear a headscarf, and I just wanted to. Yeah. yeah what, what are your thoughts on this it is a lot more laughable it, it, even in the position that we are from the west because we kind of laugh when we're like oh can't even go to france at this point and mm. like we get you we get it when the west is sort of like really against the hijab we kind of we're like okay well calm down like in a little bit we understand why and then to hear it from the east at the same time from our own sort of homeland it's just disgusting is like the top word of my of my brain like off my brain right now because it is is you're right in like who in the world is it hurting i'll be honest and when we'd been watching loads of um news channels about it and uh journalists talking about it they had talked about how it's this idea of majoritarianism i guess that is kind of being eradicated by the minority who wear the hijab it's this idea of like maybe because it's seen as a foreign entity almost how foreign is it though at the same time like mm-hmm. the concept of wearing a dubatta the concept of, of like wearing like a chadar anything is so closely linked to the hijab regardless of you tie it really tight if you don't show your neck regardless of that it still has connotations so it's this really obscure way to as you said just control women's sort of rights women's bodies and if they really try and put it as a sort of that it's not essential well i'll ask you to show you where show show me if you have been muslim all your life or if you have actually decided to do deep scholarly research into islam if you've actually talked to muslims for one thing as well because that is the main aspect is the lack of communication between groups is what rent is what sort of accumulates to so much violence and ignorance at the same time Mm. so it's it seems to be blissful ignorance but yeah i think it kind of does speak to the way that india as well is going at the moment which is heavily right-wing hindu nationalism i Uh, think this is a definite product of that Mm -hmm. Uh, it is just sad to see and sad to see that it can obviously go through these two levels of court ruling and still and it's just like even if you were going to argue oh it's it says here in the quran this 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 therefore it's not quote unquote essential Mm -hmm. why does it need to be essential to wear a headscarf like like i don't know i know it's it, it was really shocking and yeah it's just the idea that they need a certain hardcore cemented rule to be like okay fine or like and now that they've seen that like apparently there's a vague reference to us wearing the hijab whereas i've never been because even my own father he was like he wasn't one to just be like wear the scarf when you're 11 i literally learned about it myself and i taught my told my mum about it and i was like you know what I'll, i'm gonna try this out and if it turns out i kind of liked it and i've been wearing it for like about 10 years of my life now um but they don't see it as a force of oppression uh, the way that maybe the west sees it because the west sort of sees it as this way that islam is policing women's body and therefore it's not feminist therefore it's very much 
um, you know, misogynistic and patriarchal and whatnot. But then you look at the flip side of it in India, this is the definition of misogyny to me is this mm. idea that you can somehow go to a court ruling where I am assuming it's majority men on the judge panel and whatnot ruling on women's bodies again. Um, but it's kind of that situation where we have to fight for it, but we have to sit back on our phones and just watch it all unfold, unfortunately, at the same time. so Yeah, this yeah. kind of exasperates and frustration yeah. being... I mean, it's obviously good because of this day and age, you can keep up with everything that's going around Thank the goodness. world, but yeah. at the same time, it is how much can you actually do from yeah. yeah. <sighs> I yeah yeah like it, it's, it's just it's just really really bad and Embar- it's sort of embarrassing frustrating and all at yeah. once this this I don't know Halima has said this before mm. like why is the whole world just seems obsessed with Muslim women and yeah. telling them like do you this this that no like for example when it comes to France um, and other um, Western nations that try to ban the hijab like have they actually asked the um, Muslim woman yeah. what they actually think about All it right, you know yeah. I, mean? <laughs> like, I remember my French teacher this is so off topic and it's like my French teacher was trying to argue that like oh it's because we're a secular it's a secular place so therefore um, everyone should you know act upon and it's a place of freedom and everything and I was like if it's so secular if it's so free freeing then why can't someone have the freedom to wear what they want at the same because that is yeah. what what people advocate for all the time so it's actually yeah. so much. like I remember when it was like I think it was five or six years ago when they banned the burkini yeah. which was like what is the difference between that and wearing a wetsuit like literally just <laughs> yeah. the neat, like uh. Uh, <laughs> that is exactly the sound like in my brain that yeah, i make i make yeah. that noise a lot on this show like <laughs> Hopefully, there's some. We said there's some super fun out there that is like compiling all the sides. It's just gonna make some like auto tune version of it. I love that. <laughs> we'll yeah. play the mixtape one day, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming yeah, on today. It's been a you. pleasure. Um, and yeah, we're gonna finish with Amrit Man, Troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, catches same time next week, 4 to 6 pm on Manga Masala on Pi Radio. And yeah, follow us on Instagram as well at Mango Masala Radio. And what's yours again? Uh, at Dark Academia, Zainab with um, full stops after Dark and Academia. Yeah. Sweet. See you next time. Thank Bye. you.